Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, hello, Miss Amy. Well, hello, uh, Miss Ari. Uh, I'm wondering what you're wearing today. I'm wearing a bra top. I've now invested in bra tops because I find bras really uncomfortable and I really don't have anything to put in them. So it's like, what is the point of wearing something that is uncomfortable when I can just get little bra tops that put your skin in? Do the job. So one of my Basically. children come downstairs. Why have you come Go downstairs? to bed! Go to bed. It is 20 past nine. Well, then go and shut them and go to bed. Don't come down again. Good night. Good night, goodbye. They just push it and push it and push it and push it and push it, don't they? You know what you can say, Amy? (laughs) You are not going to the beach tomorrow. You are staying in the shed. (laughs) I could lock her in the shed, actually. But it would be Which quite one is hot. it? Juno, of course. Which, no, oh, doesn't come God. down. Juno comes down. Oh, does she? So annoying. What does she come down for, though? She comes downstairs and pretends that she's just fallen asleep and had a really bad dream and just woken up like in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just does it for a, you know, it's like funny. She, she's a ginnel. She's a what now? A ginnel. What's that? That's like, um, a ginnel is like, it's like a terminology. It's quite a good word for somebody who's like pulling the wool over your eyes. Okay. Idris is a proper ginnel. Is that Welsh? Like he's, no, no, it isn't. I, I first heard it in Hackney. Oh, really? And I, I love the term. You're a ginnel. Ginnel. Yeah, it's wicked, isn't it? I just call her a ginnel. shit. <laughs> shit <laughs> bag. Yeah. Oh, fuck no, she's, um, we've been in the park <coughs> today because it's been like 29 degrees or something ridiculous and she's saying her face is burnt but it's really not red <laughs> but oh, I can't I cannot see how your daughter's face would be burnt <laughs> after you slathered them I know. in like factor 150 oh, I, I know they I'll have so it. much sun cream on Lola's black already she's been in the sun for two days it's just sickening her back, it just goes so brown. She's like me, you see. Yeah, whatever. Just have to look at the sun and hello, hello world. <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah, but you got the, you got a bit of ginger in you. I've got you? the ginger skin. The freckles. Got the ginger. Anyway, this is what what number are we on? I never know. We're on number fourteen. Fourteen. 14. Well, give me a prod in the back. Fourteen, <laughs> Amy. I know, it's good, isn't it? It's not bad, is it's it? It's not bad. For two, f- two fuckwits yeah. from fucking Woodford. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it, though? Well, 
Wales via Woodford. Yeah. 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 But we had a we had a really professional. We did. An actual young scientist. Lady an actual lady scientist. Yeah, lady scientist. She was she was wicked. She was. She was she's lovely. She's a part of the but she's, network. Yeah, isn't she's she? your mate, isn't she? Yeah. Yes. Everyone's my mate. Um I know. She's part, she's part of the network. She's part of the network. Um What kind of network? Doctor Susie Gage. But she I mean, she's gonna tell you all about who she is and what she does and how amazing she is. Yeah, it's a really good <clears throat> I think especially like when we're in the time that we're in and you got to forget <clears throat> you can't forget that like life still goes on so people still get pregnant people still obviously you know people still have tragedies people still go through lots of turmoil yeah even though we're locked inside yeah and only allowed to touch each other or not touch each other <laughs> Well, I'm not even going to go down <laughs> that road. But, you know, Who knows? we're not allowed. Who knows what we're supposed to do? Supposed but, to you know, all I know is that we're in a bubble. And um, that bubble is about to burst. <laughs> but, Ooh. yeah, Ooh. I know. Well, in it. In it, though. In it, though. In it, though. Right. Yeah. Here is. Yeah, have a, have a listen. Dr. Have Susie a little. Gage. Yeah, doctors. Why do you say it like she's not posh? No, I know, but it's because doctor. When you say doctor, you've got a doctor. I'm not gonna say Doctor Susie Gage, are you? You're gonna be like Doctor Susie Gage. There we go, Basil. Basil again. <laughs> Does a doctor Susie Gage? <laughs> oh, enjoy. Love her. Enjoy. Toodle poo. Bye. Work. Right then. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's very God. exciting today because we've got an actual proper scientist. <laughs> we've got a professional, Amy. A professional. A professional. Person. Doctor. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm not a professional about I... this topic. Oh, well, no, but you're a Sorry. professional. You're a professional in your professional, you know, professionalism. I'm very professional, there just in my go. daily life. You look there very professional. The I'm wearing glasses is what she means. I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I told my mum you were coming on. She was very impressed. <laughs> amazing. Everyone's impressed. impressed. I know, exactly. Well, well it's Dr. Susie Gage. Oh my goodness. Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. It's very just, nice to be here in my own you. house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very nice to see your face. And it's very exciting, isn't it? Because you've got a little baby in your belly. I do. <gasps> I do. Amy, she hasn't told anybody yet. Oh, there are no, a few people I haven't, I haven't talked oh, yet, really? but I will before this comes out. <laughs> oh, this won't God. go out for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got time. Yeah. That, that but would yes. be really awkward, wouldn't it? For your parents to yeah. find out. Or even yeah. your husband to find out you're pregnant. <laughs> I have Does told those know? people. Yes, I have told those people. <laughs> oh. Well, today we want to talk to you about what it's like being pregnant in this situation. In the middle of a pandemic, middle, yeah. Yes. <laughs> How have, and also pregnancy in general. Yeah, we, we, yeah, but we also want to know a little bit about you because I think that 
Um, yes. Our podcast listeners um, don't know, might not know you, might know you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really good if we can kind of start off. And I'm really interested to hear all about you as well. Because, you know, yes. we don't get to talk to many professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we might need a bit of help as well, to At be honest, all. Susie. So, yeah, it'd just be really good to hear about, um, you know, sort of your journey and, and, and what you do. Because you're very successful and we, we are well impressed with you. Well impressed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm a researcher. I work at the University of Liverpool. Um, I teach medical students, but I'm not I'm not a medic myself. I'm a wow. um, research scientist. So I'm a psychologist and epidemiologist, which it's exciting now because everyone knows what an epidemiologist is yeah. after the pandemic. But I'm not one of those <laughs> epidemiologists. I'm not an infectious diseases researcher. Right. Okay. I'm but epidemiology is the study of like population level data, looking for patterns in data about people or not okay. not even necessarily people but in my instance so I'm interested in the link between recreational drug use and mental health okay. and in particular in teenagers but really sort of across across the board uh -huh. and the work I've done has been mostly about cannabis and tobacco use but I'm also interested in alcohol and other other drugs as well really my mum could have done with your advice probably about 30 years ago <laughs> <laughs> but not so how did you get into doing that did it always interest you when you were younger um I think I didn't really realize it was a possibility until I went to university mm. and I studied psychology at uni I went to UCL in London and um we could do, go and do modules in other subjects while we were like I think one a year we could go and do anything else around the whole university and in the first year I went and did continental philosophy which was really interesting but also a bit mind melding yeah. and in my yeah. second year I went and did a module in the pharmacology department called drugs and the brain and that was the first time I sort of realized that you could do drugs research that wasn't just criminal yeah kind of how drugs affect you in terms of the criminality aspects and the illegality aspects yeah. which is how drug education had kind of been presented at school it was very much it was done by a policeman rather than a sort of health yeah. professional and it was yeah. like oh actually there's this really interesting field of research looking at how drugs affect the brain and that drugs aren't all the same that they have all sorts of different effects so we did a practical exam or not exam a practical <laughs> kind of class where half of the class you were given drugs, alcohol and yeah. half of them were given <laughs> nitrous oxide and um and then we all had to do various sort of um, like fine motor tasks, like threading a needle yeah. or reaction time tasks or kind of creative tasks while we were intoxicated on either alcohol or nitrous oxide to kind of oh, show wow. that oh, different wow. substances have different effects across these different things. And it was really it was really interesting, uh, although I was really disappointed because I got put in the placebo alcohol condition oh, and just no. had to do had a glass of orange juice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because obviously it's, it's randomly assigned what condition yeah, you're yeah. in. So you don't get to know until afterwards. But I was like, yeah, there's no vodka in this. <laughs> um, oh, but wow. but yeah, so that's what got me into it. Although then I had a about five or maybe even 10 years after my degree where I didn't do anything to do with that at all. I moved to Bristol because I was in a band and all the rest of my band lived in Bristol. And I spent a few years just temping and trying to do the band. And then, then I started working as a research assistant in the psychology department in Bristol. So doing research, but not on this topic. And it took a while 
Like, I, I think I applied for four years for PhD funding before I actually was successful. Oh and God, I was really wow. close to sort of giving up and thinking, oh, I'll do something else. This obviously isn't working out. But um, it turns out perseverance paid off yeah, because definitely. now it, it's, yeah, I'm so glad that I stuck with it and kind of kept going and didn't let the sort of disappointment of constant yeah. rejection for four years put me off because is it, it really... Is- could have is, done. It a, is it a field that's kind of dominated by men or is there quite an equal balance with sort of male and females? I think psychology as a whole is better than most in terms of uh, a bit more of a gender balance than yeah. some the sort of harder sciences that some like yeah. by I don't mean more difficult I mean kind of like physics in particular has a real problem getting getting women women in and staying in but even in psychology so the psychology department in bristol the undergraduate cohort was sort of 90 percent female but then professors i think there was one female professor while i was there i think it's a bit better now so even in something (laughs) as female dominated as psychology when you're an undergrad by the time you get to the top there's still this kind of dropout of women leaving academia um and in terms of the like drugs research, because it's kind of it's psychology, it's sociology, it's criminology, it's yeah. pharmacology. There's quite a wide range and there's a really nice um, range of like diversity yeah. within the field. Yeah. I mean, there could always be more in academia in generally. But yeah. I think in the in the field of drugs research, it's maybe as good or maybe even slightly better than lots of others. So, oh, yeah, brilliant. it's an, it's a really nice atmosphere to work in certainly my colleagues at Liverpool there's a really nice um balance of lots of women yeah. and men and it's great because 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 the sort of work that I do I'm a, I work in socioeconomics so some of the work I do is you know sort of going around some of the schools and um talking to some of the girls about you know what their options are and science is always a bit of a funny one because it's something that people quite you know shy away from especially young people um, but we do lots of sort of STEM projects as well over summer, summer periods. And it's actually the girls that really um, get quite involved and they love it and they want to know more and they want to do, you know, and it's like, it's quite amazing to see the transformation from quite negative sort of views to really, you know, when they've actually got done and done some of the work or, you know, the research or whatever it could be, they come out feeling a lot more, I guess close to it and well so much of it it is kind of culturally put on you as well like we all are expected to kind of have an interest in things like sport or art or even history like things we don't we're not we don't study those things but they're kind of presented as culturally important like um you don't have to play football to be really fanatical about football and you don't have to um be an art like be a creative person to appreciate art or drama or music or that kind of thing but somehow with science there seems to be this sort of badge of honor almost for going oh I couldn't possibly understand that but it's so important in all of our daily lives like everything from our computers and our phones and our cars and you know it's like science and technology and maths is like integral in everything that we do and actually it's not scary it's really interesting Um, and it's really cool yeah yeah but but maybe I, I thought guess, of it like that. Yeah, but maybe I guess some of it needs to change in terms of you know the subject matter. So in ter- you know even maths and um, like I you know I talked to my son about savings. We we started a savings account when he was really young. He's got a saving pot at home. We talk about you know money as in a positive side of money rather than it being something that we don't talk about and it's something that I deal with and he doesn't. 
and he's he's become quite savvy at even if somebody gives him money he puts it straight in his pot and it's brilliant and then he'll count it out and he'll figure out how much he's got and how much he's got to spend and it's i guess little you know particles of really good positive things around maths for instance yeah, yeah. will help him in the future it's it's yeah it's quite amazing to see that what i would love is if in school rather than teaching science kind of facts and yeah. that kind of thing we taught the scientific method so this yeah. idea of coming up with a question and trying to disprove your question by testing it in lots of different ways yeah. and coming and sort of learning from that and coming up with an answer because that's so useful like critical yeah. thinking like that is so useful not just for science but for all totally. aspects of our lives and yeah. we should all be doing more of it and yeah that's that'd my be so idea. much more interesting as well would, yeah exactly that would engage them so much more yeah and then, and then my son wouldn't try and buy as many science kits as he can and blow up my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think those science kits are really good because they are yeah. very, you know, I mean, I, so in my in our day, they they weren't really around, were they? I mean, you just but it was a Bunsen burner. You'd have a test yeah. tube. You'd be in a school, but now yeah. you could buy those <laughs> kits, and they're and they're in the home. Even but you don't like, even the great brilliant. thing is you don't even need the kits no. because so my friend Alam Shaha has written this amazing book. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I might have to look it up. I think it's called So he's a he's a science teacher. I'm going to look it up because Oh, look it up because we want look we, it up. we love all this. Because I've bought me yeah, Al Alka-Seltzer tablets, so I've got them in. <laughs> They're all on balls. Yeah, it's, it's called Mr. Shaha's Recipes of Wonder. <gasps> and it's Adventures in Science Around the Kitchen Table, it's called. And it's basically science <gasps> experiments and fun things that you can do with all the stuff that you've just got lying around in your kitchen. Oh, and it's such idea. a cool book. And it's, it's actually perfect for times like right now this. as well, yeah. where you can't oh, necessarily get to the shops and get it. But yeah, that's my little plug oh. for uh for alum's Ooh. book because oh, yeah you. it's yeah, amazing thank you fabulous thanks for taking us around a little <laughs> whistled stop tour of your life as well susie <laughs> we didn't get you on to talk about science but we do find it fascinating it is fascinating especially with the drug stuff and kids as well yes well, so yeah I've, I've just written this book called say why to drugs which is all about the science around different recreational drugs and it's follows on from the podcast also on the Distraction yeah. Pieces Network, uh, um, which is also called Say Why to Drugs. But that, the number of uh, parents who said they've bought it to kind of leave it around the house for their teenage children to sort of see, and that are reading it themselves because kind of yeah. the yeah. drugs that were around when we were teenagers won't necessarily be the drugs that are around when our children no. are teenagers. And so it's really useful to kind of have a, to be slightly informed, like you don't necessarily want to say to your kids oh yeah i know everything about drugs no. but to be but also you don't want to kind of appear or you don't want to have no answers for their yeah. questions yeah. so having something yeah. that you can kind of turn to and go oh so that's what this is and this is what this is about can potentially mm. be really helpful well, certainly parents are saying that they're finding it helpful which i'm really glad about as well well yeah because i think as a parent you and if it's a parent that's had no experience of recreational drugs or even drinking or anything like that and you're faced with a teenager or a young person who's already going down that road um, and they're sort of scared about the reactions they give or they're not scared and they're just, you know, it's kind of um, going with the hard facts. A young person isn't going to listen to that. They, 
they no, they I... they're not going to understand they they don't want to because they're in the they're in the moment aren't they and that moment is fun it's thrilling you know they've got all kinds of things going on around them and and lots of their friends might do it so i think i think to have something like your book and for them to read it and it not be pushed on them means yeah. that they make their own informed decision which is which, which wasn't around in our day it, you know, yeah. it wasn't it was it was a really hard line on drugs I re- that's what i remember in yeah. school yeah you know? yeah it was that, and that's was what it, it makes it thing? it makes it less credible as well yeah. because once you start to see friends using like cannabis you go well it's not like they say it is so maybe yeah. all these other drugs are, aren't like they say it is as well and in the message of just of all drugs are the same and all drugs are bad and just say no becomes yeah. harder to believe. And also then once you once you sort of realise that alcohol is a psychoactive substance as well and yeah. you, you see your parents drinking alcohol and yet they're saying don't do drugs and you think, hang on a minute, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> totally. And I, totally. I've never thought about the fact that when my children are teenagers, the drugs that will be around will be different to the ones that yeah. were around when I was a teenager. I've never even yeah that but i mean not not necessarily completely different but certainly new ones. different new ones yeah. potentially different potencies and yeah. that yeah. kind of thing as well yeah yeah well, because weed someone well, i've been talking to um my friend's got teenage sons that are kind of getting into smoking and as, is it the fact that pretty much all weed is now skunk it certainly so seems like more... the the thc concentration in the cannabis that's kind of available to buy on the street in the UK and in lots of other places does seem to, the THC level does seem to be substantially higher than it, than it was say 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I think the, the line between kind of skunk and hash is a little bit more blurry than, it's yeah. not necessarily just that it's all skunk, but everything seems to have more THC and less cannabidiol CBD yes. than it used to as well. And yeah. there's some suggestion that that kind of change of ratio might be might increase the risk of using particularly if you're using every single day yeah and i think with young people as well i think it kind of it highlights some of the deeper issues that you know the deeper mental health issues that young people have um you know sort of the the home environment um you know what what goes on we we see it all the time you know just young people trying to manage crisis moments instead of dealing with the 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 root cause of the issue it's easier just to draw for a you know a spliff or something yeah. that your friends have got because or, or even alcohol because it it takes you away from that feeling of, completely you know, crisis yeah. you know and it's it's that that we deal with quite a lot and it's quite sad because you you to, to talk to somebody about you know counseling or or talking to somebody even in, in some cultures it's quite difficult because they don't believe in it. Um, they don't believe in that whole uh, process of trying to get it out and to try and deal with each moment of that crisis. So it's, it's, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, it might not be the substance itself, the sort no. of biological effects of the substance, but as you say, it's like that these young people are 
potentially vulnerable or at risk in other ways and mm. so the substance is, is maybe like a, an effect rather than a cause or potentially yeah. it operates in both ways that yeah. people with these um, predispositions are more likely to use and then the substance increases the problems yeah. that they're having so it's kind of like this vicious circle yeah. and that's that's kind of the research that I do is trying to work out okay. in what direction these associations go and it's incredibly complicated because in all likelihood they probably go in both directions yeah. and kind of um, react off each other and, and that kind of thing so it's really yeah, yeah it's really that's, interesting but really challenging yeah that's yeah. that's absolutely how we see it absolutely I mean, we you know don't work in research but you know from talking to young people that's exactly yeah that's exactly which is just as valuable if not more valuable than the research yeah. you know is the but, actual lived you know, experience of individuals madness it's, it's crazy and that's why um you know youth services and things around um you know, sort of those locality-based support services are really important because they work with people on an individual basis, which, um, you know, young people, we feel like they kind of get a lot more from it. Um, and rather than being referred to by kind of, you know, into a service and then it's sit down and talk to people in a clinical way, you find that it's better to, you know, approach it in a myriad of ways and and suggestions but yeah it's interesting could should we talk about um to talk about your little lovely bundle of joy in your, in your <laughs> yeah. tummy Happy yeah days. yeah so how i mean i suppose this is your first pregnant this is your first child isn't it it's my first child it's not my first pregnancy yeah, yeah. so um, how is it different your experience how's it been different and how's it been affected yeah. So last year I had a I had a miscarriage. I found out at 12 weeks and um, that was really tough. And I think yeah. that first pregnancy when you're when everything's a possibility and it's so exciting and you sort of you know that these things can happen. And maybe I was more aware than most because there's been a few people in my family have had miscarriages. My mum had a miscarriage and okay. um, my cousin has as well. So like, it's it's not uncommon. And, and it's really not uncommon in the great scheme of things. Yeah. Um, but you still, you sort of, you think, you, you start off very conscious that it might happen. And the further through you get, the more you start to think, okay. And, um, and what happened with that pregnancy is I started bleeding the day before my 12 week scan, just a little bit. Oh. And, um, and I went, I actually rang the hospital and went in and had a sort of um, physical examination. And they said, we, like, we can't tell anything. I, what we'd say is book you in for a scan. But given that you're coming tomorrow for a scan anyway, just go to that scan. So yeah. I did. And, and then at that, which is the 12 week scan, which is supposed to be really exciting and wonderful. Um, we were told that there was no heartbeat and that it wasn't as big as it, as it should be for that time. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, yeah. Um, had the fun process of 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 dealing with that um and for after that it, it took a really long time for my body to kind of return to normal so I've always yeah. had really long cycles anyway but after the miscarriage they were sort of 80 85 days they were pretty much as long as the pregnancy oh had been oh and it was incredibly difficult because I'd get to sort of 60 65 days and I'd start to feel tired and emotional yeah. and all of this thing I, because the symptoms of PMT are exactly the same as the symptoms of early pregnancy it's, yeah, it's kind of incredibly cruel yeah. um yeah. and yeah so it, it that was really difficult and I 
went and saw my GP a few times and had sort of a million blood tests for all kinds of things. And she basically said, nothing is abnormal. It's probably just the sort of stress and anxiety from having had the miscarriage that's me yeah. that's 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 meaning you're not ovulating. And I was like, that's so unfair. Oh, <laughs> Come <yeah>. on. <laughs> And I've got no um, control over it. I've got absolutely no, no control over it. Yeah. Doing it so so here. it was a yeah. it was a very frustrating year of of kind of after the like the miscarriage and and it really it affected me quite a lot emotionally as well. I am um, yeah. particularly sort of not even necessarily straight afterwards, but kind of t- three or four months afterwards. I think because lots of people who mean very very well when you have a miscarriage say things like oh well at least you know you can get pregnant oh god and and then even like lots of people who have had miscarriages quite often say oh yes i I got pregnant straight away afterwards and and this is my child and like this child wouldn't exist if i hadn't had that miscarriage and like i completely get that and and that's true of me if my mum hadn't had the miscarriage i wouldn't exist because she got pregnant almost or very soon after the miscarriage okay. with me. So, yeah. like, I know that's the case, but then when you don't get pregnant in that time yeah. and there's sort of the kind of what would have been your due date passes and then yeah. other yeah. milestones pass and you're just like, and maybe that was the one shot and, and that's kind of, yeah. that's it. And yeah. so it was, um, I actually had an appointment at um, a fertility clinic to just to kind of explore what was going on and I thought that morning I'll just do a pregnancy test to see and it was positive so I was like oh okay (laughs) I mean great but what (laughs) so but I've I've heard lots of people say that um that they've done that or been to a facility appointment and then you know found out they're pregnant it's 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 quite common I think yeah I think I guess I though, because you're trying a lot, aren't you? Because I've also yeah, heard lots yeah. of people say, as soon as we, as soon as we stopped, like counting everything and and yeah. trying, obviously you're yes. still trying, because you're still having sex. But we got pregnant straight away, and I think so much of it is probably psychological, which is why yeah. I wasn't ovulating, or all, all the, yeah. or potentially why. But it's it's really frustrating when you're in the middle of it for yeah. people to say things like that because you're like, oh no. However much I know all this, I can't change how I feel because yes. I'm feeling it so but yeah so that was the beginning of March and uh it was it was sort of quite unbelievable to begin with I kind of bought about 25 well not 25 but you know a lot of pregnancy (laughs) tests to go is that is that a lion am I sure I did I did like five and you know what the funny thing is I I um I think I got to like 24 weeks and I was pregnant I knew I was pregnant at that stage obviously and um and I still went and bought a pregnancy test and I still did it. What, what bonkers <laughs> is that? And I've kept all of my pregnancy uh, tests, all the positive ones. I've kept yeah. them because they're really important to me. And when I start clearing out things and I find them, it brings me back to that moment of yeah. seeing it on a stick and knowing yeah. you're pregnant. It's the most amazing feeling. It is. You can't. It's it. it's it's very very specific, unique, yeah. and unusual feeling for sure. And yeah, I, although I had the kind of the opposite of that when um, after my miscarriage, I was emptying yeah. the bathroom bin, and the the pregnant the positive pregnancy test was still in there, and that was that was a punch in the stomach a little bit yeah. of like oh god, 
that that feels so long ago and yet it was so recently yeah um yeah, yeah. but yeah um so the that positive pregnancy test a few yeah. of them i mean i i knew that it must be i must be pretty early early on in the pregnancy like probably was a bit too early to have even done the test but it did come yeah. out positive so positive is good negative doesn't really tell you anything and that's the really frustrating thing about having a really long cycle as well is you start to feel ropey you do a test it's negative but you don't start your period for another three weeks so you're like yeah. what you spend an absolute fortune on pregnancy tests <laughs> ovulation <laughs> tests and you know but you do you get oh. to know your body really yeah. well and eventually yeah. it wasn't so much the kits it was just understanding my, the changes in my body went during different points in the yeah. cycle and it was like oh, hang on this is actually I had it I sort of felt like I had ovulated that cycle just from various body changes yeah, yeah. but um yeah it was so it was really exciting but also the kind of thought of putting us through that emotional ringer again because it was yeah. so tough the time before and also all of the kind of excitement isn't really there after you've had a miscarriage and you know you know not to get too excited so I booked myself in for my booking appointment um, and actually that happened just before lockdown so things were still pretty normal when I went for that it was quite I think I was only six or seven weeks when I went for that Um, okay and which is was a bit early but they I mean they just booked it in so I went Um, and then the hospital was sort of I asked my midwife about coronavirus and she yeah. found me a bit of paper that kind of said if you've traveled from these countries be careful blah 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 but but at that point it was really <laughs> it was sort of a, a lurking on the horizon kind yeah. of thing um but it was only about a week later that kind of lockdown happened and it was a strange time with work because I was I the our union was on strike when I found okay. out so yeah. I wasn't at work uh, the strike finished I went into work on the Monday oh no I didn't because I was then on jury duty oh my god <laughs> oh no the ju- or the jury duty was before I can't remember which way around it was but either way I had two weeks of jury duty then strike and then I went into work on the Monday and by the Tuesday the university pretty much said if you if you can and you want to it's fine to start sort of working from home so it wasn't quite lockdown but um because at that point and I to be honest I don't even know if it's still true but pregnant pregnant women were kind of mentioned in the sort of yeah, shielded list not shielded yeah, no, but they were the but higher shields. risk like yeah yeah, yeah. so over 70s pregnant women we and told, people with various yeah. different and conditions especially early pregnancy was one of the ones that we were told yeah to yeah not go not go out and not attend appointments at hospitals but it's yeah. really difficult early pregnancy because you can't really tell anyone. And particularly no. when you've lost a pregnancy before, you don't really want to tell anyone. No. And yet you're sort of and you don't look pregnant. You don't necessarily even feel pregnant at that point. And yet you're sort of being put in this kind of special category. Yeah. It's very strange. And luckily there are a few. So I t- my line manager is someone I'm very close to. So I was able to kind of tell her in confidence and. Yeah. And she was amazing and really supportive and was just, there wasn't really a need for me to be in the office. So I started working at home kind of straight away. And then gradually everything, everyone else started locking down as well. Um, I actually did drive into the office one day to get my office chair because I was already getting a bad back. Oh, wow. and I was thinking, I don't know how long yeah. this is going to go on for, but yeah. I, I need I need a comfy chair. Yeah. 
So how, not to obviously upset you or anything, but with this pregnancy, when it sort of got to the 12 weeks, how did you feel? Did you, did you feel anxious or, or, or I, really to be honest, nervous? I, I was anxious the whole yeah. way getting there, yeah. really. Um, I, and, and one of the things that's so tough about coronavirus is that hospitals aren't letting no. people come with you to these appointments yeah. so so I had to go to that 12-week scan by myself and I um hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com after what happened last time it was the time from lockdown start or even from finding out i was pregnant really but from lockdown starting to the um 12 week scan so i think i found out i was pregnant i think on the 3rd of march and my scan was on the 27th of april and that time it just like days were dragging weeks were dragging and yeah yeah and it was just yeah like every time i went to the loo i'd think is this the time i'm going to find out i've started bleeding again kind of thing and it's just it's that kind of excitement. And so the few people that I had told, I, and I really told no one, I didn't even yeah. tell my family, um, which I don't, I think it was bec- partly because I think the miscarriage upset, like it brought it, yeah. the memory of, of their own miscarriage back to my yeah. parents. Yeah. And I know like that they just, they were really feeling for me and yeah. remembering what they'd been Absolutely. through and really empathising and, and kind of, I'm, I'm sure if I had had another miscarriage, I would have told them, but I just didn't. Yeah, no. Kind of, I also didn't want that every time I spoke to them, to them yeah. to be sort of wondering yeah. and asking. And so in a way, it was better just to really keep it. And to be honest, my yeah. partner and I, we kind of barely talked about it ourselves. Yeah. Um, I almost sort of ignored that it was happening just in case. Yeah. Um, but obviously we weren't ignoring it <laughs> at yeah. all. It was very <laughs> present. But it's... It was almost like a self-preservation. You don't want to jinx yeah. it or anything like yeah. that. But I think lots of women do do that. I think uh, especially you're the one that's had the miscarriage and then now you're the one that's pregnant again. 
I think it is. It's that situation where you 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 don't want to show any emotion. Uh, you, obviously, inside you really do. You want to jump for joy, but really you want to keep it very sort of neutral in terms of your emotions because you're not quite sure which way it will go. I mean, you know, it's yeah. And to be it. honest, I I'm not. I'm still not quite yeah. over that point. Like yeah. I yeah. still. I, so I had a blood test last a few days ago, and that's to kind of check for various yeah. abnormalities that might that might be present with the baby and then the 20 week scan is obviously to check for those as well so i'm still thinking that like there's still so much that could go yeah. wrong there's still like this this is by no means i'm not like over oh, yeah the, i'm over a bit of a hurdle it's, it was an incredible milestone to be further through than I than I was last time, but still, when people say, "Oh, congratulations! How wonderful!" I really I, I have to bite God, back, no, saying, yeah, "Kind no. of, I'm not there yet. No, it hasn't happened no, yet." Yeah. <laughs> and no, it's really I, like yeah. I know that like people mean people mean well, and like it's lovely, and I'm really I am happy and I am excited, but uh, there is still this kind of yeah yeah dread or not dread maybe is the wrong word but this kind you of lurking just want to just not yeah. not show anything because you're yeah, and I think that's. But that's your decision, isn't it? And it's it's this is your body, this is your mind, this is your family, and that's absolutely um, understandable. Because because yeah. lots of people might not know about the effects of what happened from your miscarriage. I know that we had a kind of a, a, a sort of um, exchange communication a few days about uh, about women who have suffered miscarriages, and you know, there's I know that there's support out there and it's available, but I just don't think people. I don't think people tap into it. I don't think people really no. understand the severity no. of how you feel after it. And, and then I to think get that's pregnant afterwards is like a it's like another yeah. you know it's another thing to think about. And that's that's part of the reason why I talk why I have talked and continue to talk mm. about having a miscarriage because doing so it really helped me mm. and having when I've been speaking about it kind of on on Twitter I wrote an article for the New Statesman about my experience as well yeah. and the amount of messages I got of, off the back of that was was overwhelming in yeah. in like in a good way yeah. but a few uh, people sort of saying I'm going through this right now or yeah. this is I went through this 40 years ago and I've never spoken about yeah. it kind of yeah. those oh, extremes wow. of people but it it's so common and we yeah. don't talk about it. Yeah. And it's so, it's like physical and emotional. Oh, it's sort yeah, of a combination definitely. of, of it's like grief and body horror. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's horrific. It's a horrific yeah. experience. And I think, I think people go through different things, but there's a lot of euphemism when we talk about it, like being told, or oh, it'll be like a heavy period. Oh yeah. It is not like a heavy no. period. I had contractions basically on my bathroom yeah. floor at oh, three wow, in the morning. Really? And God. It's like I didn't know whether that was normal. I didn't know whether I should go to the hospital. Um, and as soon as I passed the actual pregnancy, it was it was they went away. But I'd been bleeding for yeah. three and a half weeks before that, sort of pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of you're you're kind of told that if you if you're filling a pad quicker than every I can't remember if it's half an hour or an hour to go to the yeah. hospital and I was just on the cusp of that yeah. for a really long time so oh obviously God. that's really physically draining yeah. your body is a funny weird shape because of sort of it's been preparing itself for yeah. this thing that now isn't happening and I think 
I don't know whether this is particularly the case with missed miscarriages where your body kind of carries on um yeah. carries on and for a while after the pregnancy hormones, is gone yeah. exactly it's quite high hormones still so I would imagine it would and so when and then, I had sorry I had a miscarriage after I'd had after um I'd had the girls I was pregnant again and I did have a miscarriage but the reason that I knew that because I, I was I'd started bleeding and I hadn't had that with my other pregnancies um and I did actually go to the toilet and I felt something pass I mean I, I think I was eight or nine weeks but it, I think that was for a couple of days before I went to the hospital but when I woke up the morning that I was going to the hospital I knew that I wasn't pregnant anymore because I didn't feel like shit because yeah. I was I really suffered with my pregnancies yeah. and I just and it just went like that so that was with me that wasn't the yeah because like there's, there's all kinds of time. different yeah. ways that you can have a miscarriage there's the kind of the missed miscarriage where the pregnancy or the fetus or the a pregnancy or the like they're called different things at different they stages are. and yeah and i oh, found really? that my yeah. when when the women in the hospital kept referring to it as the pregnancy i don't know why pregnancy. i found that really it just made me really angry yeah <laughs> because it's because it's a it's a human it's a it human felt life. so clinical yeah it, it is clinical the pregnancy it's like yeah we can it, we can talk about and i think that's probably where that where the stigma starts in all yeah. of this the embarrassment on the oh we can't talk about it oh it's a little bit too much it's a bit heavy yeah it, yeah it's easier then to call it the pregnancy when in reality yeah. it's it's my baby exactly it's my baby. yeah it's mine it's living inside me and, and obviously it's important to have kind of clinical yeah. terms for different yeah, things but yeah. that's not necessarily what you want to hear when you're in the middle of going no. through it yeah um but yeah there's loads of different types of miscarriage you can have so so some people have and this is another really horrible term, the blighted ovum, which yeah. is where the pregnancy sac forms, but there's no fetus inside it. And yeah. so that that you can feel quite rough with that, like exactly oh, like wow. a pregnancy, but yeah. there's no actual pregnancy. I or, had an ectopic one. So, yeah. But and that could be incredibly dangerous it, as well. It was. I, mine was at 12 weeks, but it was I, I um, collapsed and was taken to hospital and I've lost a fallopian tube and my ovary on one side but it was horrific it was horrific the pain was like nothing i've ever experienced it was horrible yeah, yeah. you can't you could think that's growing inside your fallopian tube at 12 weeks yeah it's crazy i don't know how that would and like i wouldn't have i didn't know up until that point it was only when i collapsed and realized or oh, something else is wrong here and i went to the hospital and they said do you think you could be pregnant? And I was like, no, because I, I had IVF to have my child. Yeah. I was like, no, absolutely not. No chance. Oh, well, I was, but not in, you know, in an, yeah. in an ectopic way. Yeah. So. But again, that like you can be ectopic pregnant and think that it's a normal pregnancy mm. and then find out that not only is it not a normal pregnancy, but you've also halved your chances of getting pregnant again because you yeah. can lose half of your reproductive organs. Yeah just incredibly is that always the case when you have an ectopic pregnancy yeah. then you have to have well, it no, removed it has, it has to I grow don't... to a certain stage for it to be removed they can remove it i think it's if it's up to is it up to like five weeks they can they can go in and they can operate and take it out and then but the, but once it grows to a certain stage because you're 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 and I think part because part of what causes the pain is that it ruptures the fallopian yeah, tube, or does. it can do. Right. And it could go yeah. in the bloodstream, and it's really dangerous. You can 
Yeah, I nearly, I nearly died of that one as well. <laughs> Another one. You love a hospital, didn't you? I love hospitals. <laughs> I spend most of my time in a hospital. But yeah. So but how I'm, do you I'm... feel now, though, Susie? How do you feel about things now? Uh, I feel, I feel good. I'm be- like we're be- we're beginning to kind of talk about have like having a baby. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. and you you really realize what you're not doing because of having conversations with other people where they say oh are you going to find out the sex or oh are you going to have a, a home birth are you going to have a water pool birth like oh do you need do you need uh, a cot which rooms the baby's room and that kind of thing and I was like oh my god stop I don't know any of these things stop, stop. yeah <laughs> we have not talked about these things uh we are beginning to talk about these things okay. but f- until recently we just weren't and I think it was yeah yeah, entirely a sort of not wanting to jinx it and the really difficult thing about having to go to the appointments by myself is it like it feels real for me anyway because it's happening inside me but being able to see movement on a scan screen is kind of it's really important for dads and that can't happen at the moment so there's this kind of disconnect between how pregnant I feel and how how sort of pregnant he yeah yeah feels if that makes sense yeah yeah. (laughs) um because like he can't be part of it and it's just just really shit like it would have been horrific to find out at a 12-week scan that you'd lost a pregnancy without your partner there but it's also horrific the the other way like not as horrific obviously but in a different way it's it's really hard i have a friend who gave birth and she wasn't allowed her partner in and um, found it very difficult, actually. And yeah, still of course. Not quite, she's still not quite there in understanding. You know, so obviously she understands why, but she said the way that it was done, she just felt like she was rushed in. She had to do labour on her own. And it was only, you know, sort of a day later was dad allowed to see baby. And that's she's found that quite hard to deal with and she's got a a baby now and and i think dads would find it really difficult as well yeah because you know because they're part of the whole process and they should be part of the whole process but now they're being for the safety of of us and we understand why but i think and i think it's very inconsistent across different healthcare regions as well and that can make if you're trying to sort of seek comfort online or talking to other people who are pregnant if and they're in different parts of the country then what people are being told is really different because it's mm. a kind of evolving situation so some people are allowed to facetime their partners during the scan whereas yeah. at liverpool we're we're absolutely not allowed to do that and not even okay. allowed to take a video of of the movement on the screen because it's wow. a sort of it's a medical procedure that's what they say so it's like this scan isn't so you can see your baby it's so we can check it for various things and and that's so that's really difficult because even my midwife said oh I'm sure they'll let you film the screen I was like I don't think they will (laughs) judging by the letters I've been getting (laughs) so that's really that's really tough but luckily in Liverpool we have an amazing women's hospital which is not a covid hospital so it's very it's very separate from from the risk of kind of disease and because I had to go there on Thursday to give this blood sample and uh, there's a bouncer on the door of the hospital and then when you go in you're sort of asked whether you've had any symptoms before you're allowed to go actually into the hospital so they're really 
really meticulously keeping it kind of and that's um, good that's really safe but they are allowing birth partners for the birth like they have to go pretty much straight away afterwards so if you're kept in they're not allowed to stay with you obviously but for the actual birth you are allowed one person with you so that's better and all i mean who knows what it will be like by november when i'll be having the baby so what what date what date in november are you due i'm due on the 10th of november oh Oh, wow wow that's a good birthday yeah yeah i I mean it's very unlikely to actually be that isn't it (laughs) yeah Yeah. you never know i mean it won't be but you never know as long as it's not the 22nd because i have five birthdays on the 22nd already (laughs) yeah loads on then i'll do my best (laughs) how does your partner feel then so give us a so actually how did your partner cope with the the miscarriage as well i mean it's it's one thing being a woman to deal with it but how was the how was your partner with that he was absolutely incredible yeah to me he was so supportive and kind and like because i I have never really had any kind of problems with my mental health or anything like that. I am the happy one. I'm the sort of positive one. And I was not for a long time afterwards. And he was so understanding and supportive and incredible. And yeah, we like we were very good at talking about it. And I think that Mm. helped us both. But I think it is it is really tough for the partner because you have to like you can only empathize so much because you're not the one going through it yeah uh but it's still like the grief is still very much yours as well and the kind of thinking like making plans in your head about how your life is going to be different from now on and that kind of thing and i mean in, in all likelihood um he'll be the one doing most of the childcare yeah. because of just the way our lives are or not necessarily most but certainly a substantial amount yeah. of it mm. and so that kind of having that how your life is going to be and then suddenly it's not going to be like that anymore yeah yeah it's incredibly hard and particularly when it's not you like when you're going through the physicalness of yeah. it everyone's very very understanding but mm. like so many people well quite a few people sort of said I'm sorry you're both going through this but a lot of it was kind of directed at me and not so much acknowledging that he's also going through this this grief yeah and that's that's how how um, a lot of it works isn't it we we focus on the woman and and we absolutely should focus on the woman not that we do much of that anyway but but then we also forget that there's somebody else involved who you know is is really massively impacted um and it's yeah and i think I, all the support that's out there is really aimed at the woman women yeah. there's yeah. so little yeah. aimed at aimed at men who are trying to yeah support someone going through it while also going through it themselves mm. kind of thing yeah yeah totally because and also it's a really difficult subject for a man um because they're not they're not used to being in this situation it's a completely new world and then it's taken away from them so and it's like i wonder if they talk to their friends or if they talk to their family i, w- I would imagine they do to a point but it wouldn't be a very deep conversation it would be yeah. touching on the surface but that's about it yeah um but so yeah, yeah. We, we we should actually um 
when we when we release this we'll we'll put some advice that we'll, we'll put some groups out and things for for both mums and dads yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely make sure we do that there's a really uh, i'm going to mention another book now okay but there was a really great book that helped me um I think it's called Coping with Pregnancy Losses by Dr. Petra Boynton. But um, okay. I can send you a link to that. But that's it's yes. really it's it's only a short book, but it's really sort of it was basically a woman who didn't know how to deal with her own miscarriages. So did a load of research and wrote this book about oh, wow. ways Aww. to deal with it. And that does talk a bit about dads as well. And it also has a chapter about pregnancy after loss, which, God, when I read it, it's so resonated with me, right. all of the things okay. like, because I think people react in lots of different ways. But this kind yeah. of like hyper vigilance of sort of checking every time you go to the loo, like working out yeah. whether you're bleeding and that kind of thing. And just being really hyper aware of your body and every single mm. thing it's doing and every symptom that you have or you don't have and sort of second guessing everything. That's definitely yeah. how I was how I was being, at least for a little bit. Okay. I feel a bit Hopefully I feel much after... more relaxed into it now yeah. and particularly after the 12 week scan but up until yeah. that point it was really yeah. Hopefully after the next scan you'll relax even more because yeah. that's a bit more of a you know I think like so a final hurdle wasn't it yeah. really with Yeah. It's also worrying. been tough because some of the midwife appointments are, are no longer in person. So my yes. 16 week appointment was done over the phone which means no blood pressure check, no urine check, um I know physical check. Um, oh. everything just sort of talked about and it was mainly just to sort of give me the results of the bloods that had been taken at the booking appointment right. um, and sort of a kind of uh, like how are you doing kind of conversational chat but at my booking in appointment I had quite low blood pressure I do get quite dizzy whenever I stand up which I think yeah. is quite common but yeah. it's also really annoying and so it would have been really reassuring to have another blood pressure check yeah. and sort of yeah like and, and think just... about and I think I guess you think about women who are who are not as savvy at, you know, knowing or oh, crumbs and you know, if I feel dizzy that means I've got low blood pressure or if yeah. I feel like this that, that might be because of something else. It's it's like everything is done over the phone. Uh, and some of it obviously has to be. I absolutely understand that. But it's yeah. be quite really tricky for, for women who are not educated to understand what things mean. You yeah know, and, and I think because because of having a miscarriage I've done so much more sort of reading than yeah. I probably would have done otherwise um or maybe I'm quite nerdy I probably would have done the reading anyway <laughs> but 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 I maybe I'm more aware of these kind of things about what's sort of normal and what's not normal I mean yeah. nothing's normal during pregnancy because everyone's pregnancy is so different to mm, yeah. everyone else's but within the sort of sphere of normality yeah. um but it is I think it, that is tough and I think it's for if you're a first time mum which i mean although i've been pregnant before this still counts as a first yeah. kind of pregnancy um you do get a bit more i think if for for second and third time mums or beyond then even more appointments are moved to mm. phone ones because it's kind of thought well you sort of have a you at least know yeah. roughly what's yeah. going to happen whereas if yeah, this is yeah. the first time then you've got, you're kind of going into the great unknown a little bit totally so um just before we finish, I just want to—I um, just want to finish on something really positive, and um, I, I think for for the people who've listened to this, what's what's one or two of the things that you've really um, enjoyed most about sort of being in a situation where you're at home and you're pregnant? What are some of the really nice things about that? Uh, there's actually loads. Like I yeah. feel like 
I am really lucky. I've got a nice house with lots of space. Um, Me and my partner and my cat, we are (laughs) eating really well. We are enjoying each other's company. We're sort of looking after each other. Um, And in a way, the the kind of the, the anxious time up until 12 weeks would have been anxious anyway and actually yes, I didn't yeah. have to make excuses about not going out or you know if when I was yeah. feeling really tired and really sick there was no kind of feeling like I needed to hide anything or I needed to lie to people like because I hate lying yeah, so I think yeah. that's why I told so many people I've had a miscarriage because like if people ask me how I am I'm going to tell you I feel yeah. awful and this yeah. is why because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to lie or like hide parts of me so actually not having to have those conversations or even make those decisions regardless of having the conversations like I did very little in the first 12 weeks I really did yeah and and that was kind of nice um like I can go for a walk when I want to I did try and carry on running because all of these apps say if you if you were already a runner you can carry (laughs) on and I think I did two runs very early on and then I tried to do one at about six weeks yeah. and I got about a quarter of an hour 20 minutes in and walked the rest of the way and was just like nah running yeah, nah. running's not happening anymore no. <laughs> I was just like drenched with sweat really out of breath and just thinking no. nah I'll do not, I've not been doing, doing enough yeah I've been doing like squats and planks and yoga oh, and wow. walking so oh, that's amazing. I've been, amazing. not not loads not loads don't get me wrong anything other than eight <laughs> oh, I've done a lot months. of that as well. Eating breadsticks and Ooh. crisps and um, things like dry sort of yeah, bready yeah. stuff Crackers. is really good. I used to love a cracker. Yeah. Oh, but I've been really oh. enjoying getting veg boxes and then asking yeah. Twitter for advice on how to cook cauliflowers. Or, you know, I've eaten some really, really interesting and done some really good cooking. Ah. And that's been oh, quite that's nice good. while being at home. Yeah. Um, I've been doing jigsaws. Okay. <laughs> but it's so, really nice because your partner's with you the whole time. Like yeah. you guys have been, I know you've obviously had to work, um, but it's, it must be a nice experience for you and your partner to have that time to experience this early on, really. Yeah, I think there's definitely, yeah, things to be grateful for. And yeah. like, particularly given... It's it's such a stressful, difficult time and we're not arguing at all. We're not like getting on each other's nerves or anything like that. And like, as I say, we're lucky that we've got the space. So he works at home anyway. So he um, has like his workspace and I have mine. So we can be in the house, but quite separate for most of the day and then have the evening together. And that's quite nice. And so, yeah, like. I f- fully uh, check my privilege that I, like, I am really lucky during all this yeah. that I have this kind of space. I have the ability, I do a job where I can work from home yeah. and yeah. Uh, I don't have to start thinking about, like some of some pregnant women are having to make incredibly difficult choices about whether to go to work in yeah. potentially dangerous situations and that kind of thing. Yeah. And like yeah. the thought of having to make those choices is terrifying. And so yeah. I feel like, yeah, incredibly lucky that I don't have to do things like that. Well, we really, yeah, we can't wait to sort of follow yeah, your journey, follow your journey and to see, um, to see, sort of, you know, have a little baby. And uh, yeah. I definitely wish you all the luck, but we'll keep, we'll keep yes. tabs on you anyway. 
Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Depending on what's going on in November, hopefully we won't still be in lockdown. But if we no. are, then I can tell you what it's like having a newborn in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can, we'll be able to. I'll just so be like, ah! Yeah. yeah. It's, my cousin's just had um, her uh, third child and she had him at the end of March. So she's just been in lockdown. But when you have a baby, you don't go out for three no. months. Yes. You, you, really, you don't do anything other than feed and sleep and change bums so it's quite actually a good time yeah because well, one of the things anyway i think it was my midwife said is that they are getting some reports that it's quite common for babies to come out of hospital and then lose a bit of weight before they start putting on weight and that yeah. doesn't seem to be happening so much and perhaps oh. it's because you're getting less visitors so actually the routine is far more just like feed sleep feed sleep ah. without going oh auntie so-and-so is coming around we need to and yeah. I, I don't that's purely anecdotal well, i'd be really amazing. i'd be that really is. interested to see whether that's the case but potentially that's sort of saying something for giving new parents a little bit of space before you go i, I agree <laughs> i agree but, it, but it's really hard for people isn't it it's really yeah. hard for people to resist to say oh i want to come round and I want to be the first person really to hold your baby. And you're like, yeah. no, you don't really have to. <laughs> I think mine would be, if, if you're bringing here. food, if you're bringing yes. food, you are welcome. <laughs> you can yeah. even just leave it on the doorstep. I don't mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, oh it was really oh, it's good been to lovely. meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Really, thank that was brilliant. you. Oh, it's lovely to talk to you guys. And you uh, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the podcast. Yeah, we're a big uh, fan of oh, yours. My mum loves you as well. My mum loves you. She's going to come on your yeah. podcast. Excellent. I can't wait for that. That has to happen. <laughs> thank you so much, Susie. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having Take me. Care. Bye. 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 Well, welcome back, Miss Amy. Welcome back. Oh, wasn't that good? <laughs> she's so lovely. And she just and she's so she's clever, lovely. isn't she? I oh, know she's so clever. I'd love to be clever. Oh no! I, honestly, at work, I feel like, how did I get this job? <laughs> Am I going to be found out soon? Then come and knock on the door. Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah, sorry. Like Aww. you, like people do that, you know. Like there's doctors who don't have any, like medical certificates or qualifications. I know. I know. It's mad, isn't it? It is mad. It is I mad what people get away with. I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't. But we're good people. Maybe I could. Well. <laughs> Maybe I could. What would you what would you be if you if you like if you could fake anything, if you could fake like oh, being anything, God, what that's would you a be? Really good question. What would you do? Um <clears throat> Oh. Some I'd invent something. That's what I'd like to do is just invent something so then I'd never have to work again. What, like something to but do with the you female? You can't fake that, can you? What, like something to do with periods or... Yeah, like... oh my God, I'd get rid of PMT. <gasps> that's what I'd do. <laughs> if was... I could do anything, that's what I'd do. Would, is it? Yeah. I think well, I'd be... No, actually, I mean, I'd save the world, but I mean, on a scaling down. Scale... <laughs> I think I'd do something... I think I'd I'd go into a hospital, be a psychiatrist or something. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Like fuck everybody up. <laughs> like in a good way, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just really wrong. 
<laughs> not in a good way, I mean, not fuck everybody. <laughs> like, not send anybody um, mental. No. But that like, would be good. No, but like, help, yeah, help but people. Faking, I if I could, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Like, because I, I do know. think, I do think, I do think sometimes. Oh god, I might sound quite controversial here, but like, I think like the way the medical profession is is kind of drawn up. You learn, you learn certain things, you learn to do it a certain way. And you're told that's the way it's got to be. But yeah. like medicine, mental health and sort of well-being has moved on so much in the last sort of 10, 12 yeah. years, 15 years, that there's always new ways to do things that are quite yeah. revolutionary and innovative. And I don't think that certain, oh God, like GPs say, for instance, are up to date with, like new ways of doing things so I, it yeah. would be really interesting to see if some of those ways work yeah do you know what I mean yeah. do you know what I mean I know what you mean because I know you know like you even even with mental health like I know it's a bit of a sort of sweeping statement generalization but you know I've, I've got lots of friends who've been to the doctor saying they're depressed and they can't you know they can't get up in the morning they can't you know can't think can't work and they're automatically given like a prescription, but there's yeah. so many other routes before that medicine, that medical. But the thing is, like, but that's the only thing the GP can do, really, can't he? Because ideally, everyone would be sent into therapy, but there isn't. That doesn't happen. I got recommended when I went to the doctors with my because I had really bad PMT when I was about nineteen. I got prescribed antidepressants. Did you for my PMT because it was so bad. And I was like, I don't want to take fucking antidepressants. I'm not depressed. I know that it's my pee. I know it's my hormones. Yeah. I know what it is. It's my hormones. It's my hormones. It's my but hormones. I think, and I think I got six counselling sessions, I think. And the counsellor that I saw, the first session, she told me to get a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. What the fuck is that? <laughs> and I don't know if I even went back for any more. I can't, do you know what? I really can't remember now, but I did, I, I, I took the antidepressants and I took <gasps> one. I fell asleep, like pretty much straight away. And then I used to get up really early and drive to university because my second year I just moved back in with my mum and dad. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't know what I was going to do. It was all yeah. in London. Um, and I, I had to get it up really early to drive in and I fell asleep driving. <gasps> oh, and I pooed myself in the bath as well. What? <laughs> On the, on the day that I took them, I think about an hour or two hours after I took them, I went and had a bath and I you put myself in the bath. You shut yourself. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I literally just passed out and went to bed. <gasps> and the next day I fell asleep driving to uni. I mean, it was like really quick, but I was like, and I didn't take any more. See? No, yeah. I, no, I know. I know there's that six um, counselling sessions, but there's there's loads online now that we can take advantage of. Like you can... You can find meditation sessions online. You could find so many really good things that there are out there. And I know we've got like something planned um, for the next couple of weeks to talk about well-being. But yeah, it's like so, I don't know whether there's, you know, the medical profession could start to think about other routes. Like my mum's a holistic therapist, and <clears throat> she's one of the only like a handful of people 
that are recommended by a by a GP um, yeah. because it's you know holistic therapy is not something that's medically recognized but there's been times where you know I've gone to the GP I haven't been my issues haven't been resolved but I've gone to my mum she's done a bit of reflexology or she's done a bit of Reiki or she's done some hot stone massage <laughs> and um and literally it it it's kind of gone so it's it's it there is there is worth in it not I'm not saying it's all the time it's going to happen but it's like another I got sent to um see a herbalist herbalist and, uh, herbalist herbalist did they give you did they give you a year ago did they give you weed I got I had to buy med, like herbal medicines and have certain things I can't really remember too much now but it didn't um it didn't do anything for did, me, unfortunately. Did you smoke it? No, I've done all the Chinese herbal stuff. I did that for my periods when I was like 20, but it made me give up smoking. I did, did it? For a year. It didn't help with my periods at all, but I, I physically completely went off smoking. I started smoking, I didn't smoke that much anyway. No. About 20 fags a week probably. But I started smoking menthol because I couldn't bear the taste of normal cigarettes. And I just was like, do you know what, I might as well just stop. And I did. So that was really good. Edibles, apparently. Oh, for the what ganja? For your for your <laughs> periods, apparently. Really? Yeah, apparently. We should look I've, into it. Yeah, but I've tr- I've tried everything. I've had acupuncture, reflexology, drugs. I've have literally tried everything. Exercise. It's just you're like just food. one big. You're just one big period. I'm one period. <laughs> I'm just one massive hormone. Vile, I am. vile creature. Mm. Well, anyway, but, um, let, listen to Susie's. Susie. <laughs> yeah, listen to Susie's podcast because she does her. If you haven't don't know about say why to drugs, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. All the facts about the drugs and their effects, and it's it's really really good. So definitely definitely check that out. Definitely, she's also. She's also done a lot of studies with young people and she gives a lot of good angles to parents, I think, um, in how to sort of tackle certain questions. It's a really interesting way of looking at drug taking, to be honest. Yeah. But but yep. our podcast with her is slightly different. We do talk about we do talk about some of the work she does, but it's also a personal sort of Yes, um yeah. story as well which is really poignant as well it's really yeah it's really heartfelt and we love her and we want to wish yeah, her all the best for the next um yes. you know sort yes. of couple of months it's very exciting I'm excited. and um yeah. we will will we will post the pics <laughs> yeah Not have crazy. fun enjoy and um yeah here's to number number Thanks 14 for lucky number 14 I know. Lucky number 14. And oh. yes, yeah, subscribe, share. Boop, boop. And all that jazz. And yeah. all that jazz. And see you next week. I sing it as well. Go on, sing. All that jazz. What is, where's that from? Is that chorus line? Is it cabaret? I don't think, no, I don't think it's cabaret. I was in cabaret. <sighs> That's another I didn't podcast. Will you chorus? <laughs> Yeah. Work. Is it? Oh, or maybe. Oh, no. Anyway, whatever. We'll find um, out. Work. All right, yeah. loves. Take care. Bye. 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 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.